in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, he said, Let all things be done with charity. <clears throat> then, in verse 15, and of course charity here is love. Now, the reason why I'm hurrying into this, because uh, I just wanted to make reference to this scripture and read some more, but everybody's already turned there. In verse 15, <clears throat> he talks about the household of Stephanus. And then, of course, he tells us that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, he said that you submit yourselves unto such, and that everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. Now, <clears throat> we want to stop there just for a moment. And as I said, now this is going to be uh, kind of rough in some spots. It's going to be rougher for me than it is for you, okay? So uh, you can just uh, relax while I stay tense. It's usually not that way, but tonight I guess it will be. The Apostle Paul speaks of an addiction. Addiction means to be given over to a particular habit, such as a person who is addicted to narcotics or alcohol. It simply means that you are obsessed with certain things. And, of course, <clears throat> he said now, this you ought to do. And he informs us. Jesus said, Whosoever seeketh to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall save it. I want to first start out by saying that I am extremely thrilled with a number of people who are given to the ministry of Calvary Gospel Church. We just have a lot of people who are totally given over to the work of the Lord. And I do mean that. I'm not trying to butter you up for the great kill. I just, I just really mean it. Uh, I really mean that. I'm saying it from a very, very sincere and honest heart. I do believe, however, in view of my own ministry, that it is becoming more and more and more difficult for me uh, at this present time, I am, I think, very near a physical collapse and perhaps even a mental one. I really mean that. I've just, uh, I've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things on my shoulders. Uh, there's just a lot of undone work. Now, the reason why that I am speaking the way that I am speaking, growth at Calvary Gospel Church has been a paramount uh, feeling and goal that I have had for many, many years. I am, however, beginning to feel that uh, I have done just about all that I can possibly do. And yet the church is not where it ought to be. Now... <clears throat> I really don't know what the answer is. I will assure you that I've been spending a lot of time in prayer and seeking God. Now, I've talked with uh, some members of my family. Uh, it, as I stated, has been a, a real burden and a real goal of mine. I just don't know at this particular time that I'm able to physically or physically able or mentally able 
to do any more work than what I'm presently doing. See, I, I've got people pulling from many different angles, and uh, there's just a lot of physical work that needs to be done, and I'm not able to do it all. Now, I'll talk to you about some principles about uh, faith. I believe that faith is a, is a such an important thing. It's such an important ingredient in our walk with God. If you have problems with faith, <clears throat> trying to see things materialize as a result of of inner feelings, let me give you some some help. See, I believe that faith is more than just telling yourself that you're going to do something. However, if you don't talk about it inside of yourself and you don't tell yourself, then you will find that your faith will separate itself from your works. Now, I talked about faith and works. But there will definitely be a separation. Now, as best as I can explain, I will endeavor in the period of time that I have. I don't know if the young people plan on going downstairs. But we'll talk for a while and then we'll determine whether they should or shouldn't. Okay? Uh, if you, let's say that you, uh, let's say you, you're involved in some hobby at, at your home. You have a hobby that you a lot of people have different hobbies. Ladies knit. You've seen ladies who were obsessed with knitting, crocheting. Now, every time they look through the paper, every page they turn to, their eyes quickly scan for any patterns. Uh, a person with a knitted purse or a sweater or gap or scarf. Uh, their eyes are always searching for the finished product. And they can pick up things <clears throat> in uh, catalogs and, and uh, magazines in various places that, that, that you would never see. Now, what happens is that you keep your mind on something for so long until it is embedded in your subconscious mind. See, you're con you have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. Basically, your conscious mind programs your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind actually determines what you do and how you respond to certain things. You know, it's like a guy who always loses his temper, let's say. You know. Uh, he can tell himself he's not going to get mad again, but that doesn't work. He gets mad anyway. Why? Because this thing is in his subconscious mind, see. He has so dwelt with his conscious mind as to how to get even with people and how to control things until... His subconscious mind actually dictates. And you have to, you, there has to be a flow of knowledge constantly through the conscious mind for the subconscious mind to be programmed. Now some people can program their subconscious mind in a moment's time. Others can't. <clears throat> Let's say that you go to a convention someplace and you, you, you arrive your motel room late night and you think it's too late to be calling the front desk or something and it's one o'clock and you have to get up go to the meeting at seven you don't have an alarm clock and your watch it doesn't have an alarm on it and you know because it's so late and you're so tired you're going to oversleep but you tell yourself over and over and over six o'clock rise and shine six o'clock rise and shine see the the mind of man is so powerful that he is actually able to keep track of time. Now, I don't know if you've had that to happen to you. I've had that to happen many times. And you wake up, roll over, look at your watch, and lo and behold, it's 6 o'clock. 
Now, how did you do it? You see, even while the conscious mind was resting, the subconscious mind was keeping track of time. Another typical example, let's say you can't think of somebody's name. And you try, you try, you you just can't think of it. And for maybe 30, 40 minutes, you can't think of it. Then all of a sudden, somebody comes along and changes your train of thought, and you forget about it. Two days later, while you're typing out a thesis or something, or painting on a building, the name just pops in your mind. You weren't even thinking about it. Where did it come from? Your subconscious mind you was at work, digging through all the files till it ran across that name. See? Now, basically what happens, that you see, the person who is addicted to a particular ministry, addiction is the control of the mind to the point that the physical responds. According to Scripture, this is what faith is all about. See, faith is not just a figment of the imagination because that's hope, see, and he talks about hope and he talks about faith, see. And, of course, hope is, is a part of faith, but not the sum total of faith. See, it, in other words, when we say hope here, we're talking about wishful thinking. It's more than just wishing that something will happen. But we wish to the point that we must see that which we have hoped for. And then the body begins to respond now, what do you mean the body begins to respond? You might say, well, Brother Grant, we, pay, we pray for a lot of things that we can't physically touch. Maybe somebody's healing. We can't, what, what can we do to make them be healed? Nothing, but you will find that, that as you begin to pray, that the body does respond. I mean, you, you know, you, you can actually feel something's going to happen. It's, it becomes physical. Now, anybody who says that they can separate the, the mental and the emotional from the physical, they really don't know what they're talking about. Did you know that, that you, some, some of you young people understand this, you know, your sweetheart leaves you and uh, you're broken hearted. You've seen people, and I've been broken hearted to the point, and you have too, where you physically get sick. I mean, physically get sick. And I don't know if the heart's right in here, I know my physical heart's right in here, but it hurts right in about where the heart is, doesn't it? And it really hurts deep down inside of here. Now, basically, what happens is this. There are some people that can teach search for truth, and they so believe that what they're doing is going to work. Until every time the back door of the church opens, they turn around to see if it's their guest entering into the house of God. See, that's faith. The body, the subconscious mind, is planted there. And you can't get it out like you can your conscious mind. You see, <clears throat> the conscious mind can change over and over and over. By that I mean all of a sudden you're praying for somebody to get get saved, and uh, all of a sudden you go down to Hardy's, well, now you go in there and you're ordering a hamburger and you're thinking about how delicious Hardy's hamburgers are. But you see, the subconscious mind is programmed on that obsession. That's where the obsession is. And so as a result, you know, and some people are that way about soul winning, see. Sister Vader, you got a job at Hardy's, didn't you? You know, I tell you. I may have to talk about Woodman's, but we have people who work at Woodman's too, don't we? <clears throat> but you see, what happens is, really, that there are some people that are so buried up in winning souls, it doesn't make any difference if it's a gas station attendant, truck driver, bus driver, uh, you name it, or the lady down at Hardy's. You know, <clears throat> they that's an obsession with them. They want to see that person saved. And everything they do, it's like the woman who, who has the hobby of knitting. 
You know, chickens run through the paper and tell you, man, they got knitting thread on sale or yarn. I think it's yarn, isn't it? Knitting yarn on sale over at Ben Franklin's for 99 cents, regular $1.40, and the sale will last until noon, November 12th. Boy, they picked up all those details, didn't they? How'd they do that? Knitting's their thing. See? And you will find that, that people, people are this way. And uh, <clears throat> everything they do, they see involved in what they're doing. They see ways in which they can progress their particular hobby or habit or whatever. See? And that's just the way people are programmed. I have known people who were car salesmen. That they couldn't ride in a car without thinking about how much they could buy it for and resell it for. Really. I've, I've actually had people ride in my car and they'd say, how much you sell this for? Well, I said, well, it's not for sale. Old money to buy anything. How much you want for it? Really. I know of a minister friend, a good friend of mine, that's driving a Cadillac right now. And he was telling me how much he gave for it and how much he's going to sell it for. And, and man, how much he gave for the last one, how much he sold it for. And you see... <laughs> You know, cars, you know, that's just not my thing. You know, I, I'm just not interested in it. Now, he's interested. Now, I'm not critical of him because I have things that I'm interested in. But you see, every time he sees a car, he thinks, well, I could make a buck off that. Isn't that something? That's just the way, that's the way he is. And you see, this is what Paul was talking about when he said that we should be addicted to the minister of the saints. You see, that, that you, can, you can so program yourself that you're absolutely looking for opportunities and opportunities in which you can be a benefit to people. And that you can minister to them. Now, when we say the minister of the saints, now that's a big, 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 big word. Now, Jesus said <clears throat> in Matthew, he that is great among you, let him be your minister. He said, he that is chief among you, let him be your servant. Now, the word minister here was really taken from the Greek word that deacon is taken from. He that is great among you, let him be your deacon. And the word deacon comes from a Greek word that means to serve tables. See? So he that is great among you, let him be your servant. He that is chief among you, let him be servant of all. And <clears throat> so... When you get into a capacity of, of ministry, it is a ministry of service. I just read a book by, uh, the man's name slipped my mind. I'll think of it in a minute because it's in my subconscious mind, see. <clears throat> Charles Swindoll, entitled Improving Your Serve. And he's talking about serving people. Sister Jody's sister, Lori, was here, and she is from his church. He's got a great ministry, does a lot of uh, writing. He's just a, a great man. But uh, he talks about this, and it is a fantastic book. And so I'd recommend any of you to read that book if you have not already, because that's what he deals with. Now, the only way that a man can give himself so to the purpose and cause for what, which Jesus lived, to where he can actually spend his life. I'm talking about give his life. I'm talking about really spend his life just like you'd spend a coin. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He, he said, uh, <clears throat> whosoever seeketh to save his life shall lose it. See, the two things you do with money, you either save it or you spend it. That's one or the other. And a lot of people have savings accounts. Some people have spending accounts. That's checking accounts, by the way. So you put your money in a savings account or a spending or a checking account. Jesus said, now, whosoever seeketh to save his life 
shall lose it. But whosoever shall spend his life shall save it. Now that almost sounds like some kind of reverse psychology or some kind of a mixed up idea that came from some somewhere. But what Jesus was really saying is that nobody will ever be happy until he finds a cause to be involved in that's worth dying for. That's what he was saying. <clears throat> the body, <clears throat> unless there's something, some physical problem that, that you have, the body is so constructed that it's made for work. And it's not really made just for relaxation. Now, <clears throat> when we talk about the ministry, we talk about things that are physical and things that are spiritual. And uh, <clears throat> I must say that, that there is a particular level of maturity that man enters into in which he does not really define the difference between the spiritual and the physical, that it's just ministry all the way. I meant ministry all the way. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk to you just a little bit about something that I feel that's very, very, very important. It's important to me. And uh, it will be important to you also. Now, you've probably gone into homes where the parents were real servants to the children. Now, I believe that all parents should be servants to the children. But I think that, you see, as much as a preacher must be a servant, and as much as a deacon must be a servant, there are also other things that they have to be. They have to be leaders. They are to, to reprove, rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering. There's a lot of things that preachers ought to do. Uh, the, the original deacons were chosen if they were deacons in Acts 6. The Bible doesn't call them deacons there, but they were to serve at, uh, the needs of the congregation. And the apostle says, now we're going to do this so that we can give ourselves to prayer and fasting and the ministry of the word. You know. And uh, quite frankly, I believe that, that my position as pastor has become too physical. And the truth of the matter is, it's probably my fault, but I don't know how to get out of it. I literally don't know how to get out of it. And if I knew how to get out of it, I would. But I don't know how to get out of it. Now, parents sometimes can go around and just pick up after kids all the time. And there's no training program in which uh, that is initiated to teach children to pick up after themselves. And so instead of children becoming uh, uh, complementary and becoming an asset to a home, they can become liabilities in which parents can just literally suffer breakdowns. You've seen that happen. Now, while I am not comparing myself as a parent and you as a child, I just believe there's just too much pickup stuff that I'm trying to do, and I don't know how to stop it. I just got to tell you, I just plain don't know how. And uh, I guess the reason why is because I don't like to see the church look like a gypsy hideout. You know, really, I like to see things that that are nice and clean and neat, and. Uh, uh, we have people who come here, and if you're a guest of ours, you can look around and see a lot of things that need to be done. But I think probably having a background in building and such, uh, a lot of people depend too much on my knowledge. Sister Grant told me, said, the problem is, Brother Grant, you want everything done just right. Well, <clears throat> that may be true. In fact, I, I suppose it is true. I will, however, just point out a few things to you. Now, this is going to help you, okay, that I feel that's very, very valuable. Now, we call this the WIN program. This is instruction. It's not nourishment. It's not going to really make it very fat. But it, it, it's something that will help the operation of the church. See, we, uh, we call some work days, and, and we all worked. Now, 
we did some working like downstairs. Now, I was down there today. I'm just going to point out a few things that I really want everybody to hear. That's this kind of stuff that that'll really run a preacher ragged. You know, uh, somebody went downstairs and they didn't want to get paint on the registers in the back room, so they taped them. The problem is they didn't take the tape off, and secondly, they got they got paint all over the register anyway. Now, <clears throat> since that time, no Sunday school teacher has taken the time to clean it off, and so. Uh, I'm ready to lay carpet back there. I picked up some carpet today to put back there because we're making a, a break room. So I get in there and uh, uh, who do you think is going to pull that tape, uh, tape off? And who do you think is going to get all that paint off that register? Now, I, I don't really know who did this. If I had known, I wouldn't be talking publicly. I'd just go to you. I'm not, you know, a bashful type person, so I don't mind going to somebody and say, hey, you know, you, you really goofed up here. Uh, maybe I wouldn't put it that way, but they get that kind of message from me anyway. But <clears throat> now who's going to clean it up, see? See, no job is completed until it's done, finished, total. And see, what happens as the congregation grows, we got people who paint. They come in and paint. Well, we want, we need people to paint, but they leave buckets full of uh, uh, paint brushes and who cleans those up? Who do you think cleans all that up? You know. Now, if you want to really know, just take a good look at the pulpit. Because I'm usually the man who cleans it all up. I'm dead serious with you. You know, really. We just uh, called for volunteers to help. We painted the office downstairs and... and uh, well, I do appreciate everybody who painted on that, and please, you know, if you're not the culprit in, in the matter, please understand that I'm not picking on you. I appreciate what you've done. But somebody stood on the, the safe. We have a safe downstairs. Somebody stood on They had paint all over their feet. Now the safe, the top of the safe, you know, looks a mess. Well, I get in there, and I try everything in the world to scrub that top off. And I realize that the only way I can get the paint off now is take the paint off. Of the safe, but if I take the paint off the safe, the safe will rust unless I paint it. Now, <clears throat> the problem is that whoever got up there to paint in that corner up there, I could have probably painted the whole wall quicker than I can clean up somebody's mess. Wasn't cleaned up. You may say, "Oh, but brother Grant, now we're not painters, we're not carpenters." Oh, I come around your house. Now you're. You're, you know, I know that you wouldn't tolerate that from one of your kids, and you wouldn't do it yourself in your own home. Then why do it here in the house of God? See? And I know that if I, if you'd have hired me to paint your bedroom and I'd have left tape on your register and then painted over the register because I didn't want to. Get, or because I was so sloppy that, you know, you're getting a message. You wouldn't have paid me. You would have inspected it, and you would have known what was right, and you would have known what was wrong. And you would not have, you wouldn't pay one contractor that would mess up your house like that. Now, am I right? Now, you know that. You know I'm right. See, there's just, uh, there are just certain things that, that just have to be done a certain way, and you might as well, uh, you know. And here, here's a common thing, and this is, like I say, I really don't know how to correct some of these things, and I don't like to take a whole Thursday evening service. But uh, a lot of times people uh, volunteer to help, and right in the middle of the project, you know, they start putting everything up. Oh, they got to go teach a search for truth. You know, got to reach these souls. That's true. But 90% of the time, you know how many search for truth I'm teaching right now? None. You know why? Because I'm the man who stays here to finish the job while you go teach. <clears throat> 
Now, quite frankly, we are reversing the role somewhere. And then so all the brushes and everything are left, and I clean up the brushes. And, you know, when, when Harry Truman came up with a statement about his, his office and his desk, he said, the buck stops here. You know, he had a great revelation. Because regardless of how many appointments you have, when you get ready to go, you're gone. But regardless of how many appointments I have, I have to finish the job. It's just that simple. Now, isn't that right? Now, we sent a bus down to Indiana. I'll just give you another example. And, oh, you know, we had volunteers to work on the bus. Well, four or five people came to work, and I appreciated every bit of the work. <clears throat> I had committed myself to do it, and I had not planned on working on the bus, but nevertheless... Uh, got the day before and still we didn't have the engine in and Pastor Grant stays out there working on the bus well it's about supper time so uh, I don't think I can come back this evening so crew all scattered and who do you think worked on that bus out there alone until almost one o'clock in the morning do you have any idea now I call for volunteers from the congregation now, quite frankly, now this, now this is my disposition. You could not have cut me up in hunks and thrown me at that bus to ride to Indiana if I'd have known my pastor was working on it and I was sleeping. There's no way you got me on that bus. I might have caught a greyhound went, but I wouldn't have crawled on that bus and enjoyed that ride down there if I'd have known my pastor stayed up half the night doing it. But it had to be done. Why? Because I committed the bus. Not only that, but then the next day, I got out here and worked on an exhaust system and did most of it by my lonesome. And if you want to know what that means, then get up underneath the bus and work alone for a while and you'll get lonesome. <clears throat> See? Now, I want to make it very plain. I really do want to make it very plain. I do appreciate the amount of physical work. There's a lot of people doing a lot of physical work here. I really do appreciate that. I just want you to know, to every person who turns their hand to do anything, I appreciate it. But because that we do have a sizable physical operation, it's becoming impossible for me to do it. And you may say, well, Brother Grant, don't do it. In fact, somebody told me, said, I wouldn't do it, Brother Grant. Well, I keep telling myself I'm not going to, but then I keep seeing guests and people come in, and I see everything as it is, and I said, I cannot. I literally cannot let it go. I just can't. Uh, we had an inspection on our Christian school. Now, I don't know if how many of you have been downstairs and looked at the Christian school, but if you have not been inside of the Christian school... I think it's open tonight. We have a board meeting right after it, but you should go look at it. I mean, it really does look nice. In fact, we had a uh, Milton Carnes from Boscobel, an ACE representative. He came, and he walked in there, and he looked and says, Wow. He pulled out our records and our files and looked at the uh, parent, uh, not parent, but student gold charts and and uh, progress report cards and pace average and you know what he said he said you know I haven't been in a school that was this nice and I don't know when and he said you, you folks here have a top notch school and uh, now <clears throat> That Sunday school office, now you could never have told that, you know, if you'd looked at it last Saturday. It was a mess, wasn't it? See. But uh, now we did call on some volunteers, 
And I do appreciate so very much everybody who worked in the Christian school. I wrote the names down of those who worked, and I wore them down for, for a reason. Now, you, you, please don't, don't think that all this message is going to be negative tonight. You know, and this is not cry on your shoulder night. It's just uh, just some things that I feel that I really do need to talk to you about. Like in the Christian school, we, we, we really made it, but we didn't think we'd make it. Now, the school was put together academically before uh, Monday. But uh, I worked, I went out and worked on the, uh, the bookshelf Saturday night. In fact, I worked on the bookshelf Saturday night until almost midnight. I worked all day Monday, and then we came in here, and we had a crew of people that worked here till 1 o'clock Monday night. Now, I want to just thank those people, Brother Manley and Ted Schaefer, and Ted will be working here all day tomorrow, uh, John and Terry Seidel, Roy and Lois Grant, uh, Sister Darlene Grant, uh, Lori Grant, Jim Derber, and myself, and I really do appreciate you stay in here and working. We put carpet downstairs and and a good number of things we, we've done. I built the bookshelves and got them in. It's not all painted, but the Ted's going to be painting. But uh, <clears throat> uh, we made it. Now, I will say this, you know, uh, in a negative sense. While I'm very positive over it, we call for volunteers. You know, the truth of the matter is, of all the kids we have in our Christian school, there's only one parent of any kid in the school who worked on that. And that was myself. Well, Sister Grant and myself. Uh, the only volunteers. Now, <clears throat> you may say, well, Brother Grant, would you have done it if you weren't the pastor? Well, <clears throat> probably if I saw all of you laying home, I probably would have laid home too. I probably wouldn't have volunteered. But I'm involved up to here in district work. You know that. And camp. You know the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing up at camp? Because I refuse to have any part of anything that is just a, a slipshod gypsy operation and uh, thousands of dollars flow up into the facility at, at, at Shano and, and they have for a number of years and I've taken on the responsibility of superintendent but long time before that as a supervisor of the camp because I just couldn't see myself going up there and enjoying camp with rotten boards and unpainted buildings and I told Sister Grant, I said, I'm going to do it. She said, "Hun, you can't do it. I said, well, I'm going to take a vacation and go to Florida someplace because I'm not coming around something like this. If it's going to look like this. And the truth of the matter is, I guess that's my disposition. I did it solely because I just I couldn't see money going into a general account and paying bills and everything while the thing's rot, rotting down. It doesn't make sense, does it? So... <clears throat> I got the job, and I've had the job for a number of years, and I think I think it's very, very, very important. Now, you know, to tell you the truth, you know, I'm gonna, I don't, now the chips are gonna fall in a lot of different directions. I have my office back here, and we had some men to help remodel it, but, but you know, basically, everything in that office, uh, I wouldn't basically everything I bought with my own money. Uh, I did it in the evenings. And not only that office, but other offices too. And the reason why... Now, let me see. I'm not the type of person by, by nature, you know, to just sit in a place and, and, and just say, well, when are y'all going to fix it up for me? Would you like that? You know, it's, uh, I want it to look nice, and I will, I will make it look nice even if nobody else does it. Because I can't see salesmen, uh, salespersons. Uh, I would either say salesman or saleswoman, but sometimes you can't tell. 
so you say salesperson. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, really, I'm, I'm very, very serious with you. You know, I'd fix it up uh, just to keep the image of the church nice. You know. Now, you may say, well, Brother Grant, I am up to here. Well, so am I. But where do you find the time? Well, I really do scratch hard to find the time. And most of the time, it comes out of my sleeping time. I'm dead serious with you. And Sister Grant will tell you that a lot of times I get up in the middle of the night, come over here and work on things simply because I didn't have enough time during the day. I learned to take a nap at 5 o'clock every day, 15 minutes. Why? Because I found out if I can do this, I can step to 2 o'clock, still go to bed, and get up the next morning. That's the only way I can do it. Now, like I say, I, I'm not trying to make this a cry on your shoulder night, and this is not a pity party for Pastor Grant. But uh, the truth of the matter is, I'm just questioning whether it's good for you for me to continue to do this. I really don't know that it's good for you. <clears throat> I made up my mind a long time ago that I didn't want to die of cancer or old age. And there's nothing wrong with living a long time. I don't want to burn up in a car wreck. Some, you know, you have a car wreck and it catches on fire. Now, God may not give me the choice. I may live to be a hundred and just die of natural causes of old age. And a lot of people do this after really, really, really giving themselves to the Lord. Sister Luke just experienced 90 years. You talk about someone faithful. You know, she went last week and taught at a rest home, and I saw her walking on the sidewalk over here between Stop, uh, PDQ, and and Abe's Print Shop right in there. And I couldn't hardly believe. I said, that's Sister Luke walking right down the sidewalk there. Brother Manley was out looking for her. Uh, I think she went and had her hair fixed up or something. I'm not for sure, but anyway. And I thought, my, I hope when I'm, that old, I'll have a testimony like Sister Luke and still be able to come to all the services. So I'm not saying this to to reflect against people. But I may never get to choose, see, how I die. But if God does grant me that choice, I would like for it all to end like this. Hereby perceive we the love of God, in that he laid down his life for us, so ought we to lay down our life for the brethren. That's 1 John 3.16. It's very kindred to John 3.16. You see, unless you have goals... If, unless you have goals and you work toward those goals, you will not be a fulfilled nor happy person. If you have a ministry in this church and it's only a status thing with you and you're not willing to put yourself into it physically and spiritually, quit it. I purchased a fiberglass backboard and I did it myself. I mean, it wasn't church money. I did it myself, and it's in the back room back there. Now, when it goes up, nobody will have to prime it. It's going to be my project. And you know what? My guess is that in spite of hiring and paying somebody to weld that together, I'm going to have to weld it together myself and put it up. But you see, your kids deserve to have a place to play basketball. 
Don't you think they do? Don't you think they do? Even your girls need to go out there and toss that basketball. They really do. They deserve it. And I have full intentions to do it. And as soon as I get the time. But you see what happens is somebody keeps backing up to my driveway every night. And you know what they do? They go right in through the kitchen door, up the stairs, and they steal a big chunk of my time. And they load it up and they drive away with it. And when I wake up in the morning, part of my day is missing. That's what happens when you don't do your part. I want to give my life. But I want it all to count. And I don't think it's fair. And it's not good for you. If while your intentions are so great that what you do causes more work. Than if you'd not done anything. You think I'm feeling sorry for myself? I guess I am. If it sounds like it, I guess I really am. <clears throat> First Chronicles, the 17th chapter, and I, <clears throat> I think that's such a beautiful story. It's really a catalog of David's mighty man. David had a trait that I wish that I could develop. He had some. He had some great men. While we have great men, uh, I will say that a lot of you men have such great potential, and I have not been able to to to, uh, to be the leader for you that you deserve. I'm serious with you. I I just I just have not been able to be the leader that you deserve. You really I I got to tell you, you really do deserve a top-notch pastor and a top-notch leader. Somebody that really has it together. David was that type of man. And you know what happened with David? Uh, There was a garrison of the Philistines that were gathered around Bethlehem. And they were just about ready to take the place over. And David had fought so hard and was so tired. And he sat down and this is what he said. Oh, that I that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. Verse 17 of First Chronicles 11. And so it just so happens, did I give you the wrong chapter? What did I tell you anyway? 11.17. I think I said 17.11. There were three of those men that heard what he wanted. And you know what they did? They broke, they tore out through the night. They broke through the line of the Philistines and they went in there and they drew a bucket of water and they brought it back. And they brought it to him and they gave this to David. He said, what is this? A bucket of water. You said that you wanted a bucket of water from the well of Bethlehem. David said, you mean to tell me that, that, that you went to Bethlehem to get the water? And they said, well, sure. Yes, but that's surrounded by the Philistines. You mean to tell me you jeopardized your life to bring me some water? And so they said, we certainly did. David took it up like he was going to drink it. And you know what he did? He poured it out on the ground. And they stood there and they saw him negate their sacrifice. They sacrificed their lives. But the reason why that David did it, while tears welled up in his eyes, 
and a lump came to his throat. He said, this is blood water. You sacrifice your life. He said, I will not be a partaker in that which cost me nothing. It cost you everything. And I didn't do anything but sit here and wish for it. He said, that's not the kind of man I am. And I believe that all of us need part of the spirit of David. You know, don't expect somebody else to do for you what you could do for yourself. While people are traveling the bloody seas and giving their life, set some goals of your own. You won't be happy until you do. You know, Brother Will Hoyt, who was with us, told me a story. It really touched my heart. You know, if you see Brother Will Hoyt, you, you wouldn't think that he'd be the man that's got the stamina and drive that he has. But this man, he's not a very old man. Brother Will Hoyt's only like three or four years older than me. He has physically built 65 church buildings and congregations since he started in the ministry in 1960. And he said, I set a goal of 100 churches. I said, will you reach that? He said, I don't think so. And the reason why is because he wants to do this evangelistic work for the foreign missions field, which will stop him short of his goal. But can you believe that a man that's been involved only 23 years in the ministry could physically oversee the establishing of 65 congregations and building 65 church buildings? I don't know how he did it. Makes me feel like I've never done anything for God. That's a lot. Did you know it? That's a lot. And he wanted a hundred. But I'm going to tell you something. You'll never find a man happier than Johnny Wilhoy. But he is totally obsessed with doing the work of God. Totally obsessed. You see, that's how faith works. Faith is not faith unless it is an obsession. But when you want something so badly that those wishes dictate your actions, that's faith. That's faith. I say that's faith. That's faith. Praise God. I don't know how to stop all this. All I can say is, I guess my time's up. <clears throat> Praise God. Isn't the Lord good? I do want you to pray for me, though, really. I, I'm, I'm very serious with you. I, I'm having a lot of problems with my, my legs. Uh, I've done everything that I know to do. I've fasted. I've dieted. I've prayed. I've sought the Lord. Uh, I'm just still having problems with them. Uh, Brother O'Neill and I took off yesterday. And you know what we did? We went deer hunting. Stayed in the woods all day long. I really enjoyed that. And I know that he's been very busy and he took off and went with me. And I really enjoyed After the inspection, I was just ready to just collapse someplace. So we did. And I went out, and you know what I did for a long time? I've never done this before. You see, I'm the type of person, if I'm hunting, I'm awake all the time. See, I don't sit around and nod. I don't think there's anybody in this congregation that's ever seen me nod. If Sister Grant's ever seen me nod, it's, it's beyond me. Because when I'm awake, I'm awake. And I made up my mind I will enjoy all of my daylight hours. 
And when I say daylight hours, I'm talking about the time I got my eyes open. So I refuse to nod. If I had to just sit around like some of you even do in church, you know what I'd do? I'd say, scoot over, brother. I'm going to lay down. <clears throat> if you're going to take a nap, then take a nap. <clears throat> if you're going to stay awake, then stay awake. But I went and crawled up on a great big old rock half as big as this church, and I cleaned off myself a knife's place. And I laid my bow to one side and my binoculars to the other side, and I turned my cap down because it was the ground was cold. And I pulled it up like this, and I folded my hands, and I said, Buck or doe, you come right by. I'm not going to see you, and I took a nap. <clears throat> now, usually I'm not going to do that because I'm going to deer hunt. I'm going to deer hunt. But I enjoyed it. I really did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, in spite of all this, I really do think you're a great bunch of people. <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? <laughs> and I am not here just trying to take out frustrations. I prayed about this. I think I'm telling you something that you need to hear and something that's very, very important. Now, please, if you have to call me tomorrow, don't call and say, I know you're a businessman, busy man, and I know you don't have much time. Don't do me that way. Really, I don't like for people to do me that way. Because if I call you, I think that what I have to say is valuable enough to break into your schedule. And you ought to feel the same. Really, you ought to feel the same. And so you don't owe any apology. This is, this is the work of the Lord. But I, I've got to tell you, I, I just really do need your prayers I really do I have been smiling a lot lately but I have not really felt like smiling because we're trying to line up our ministers meeting and camp meetings for next year and you know I have to do all that <clears throat> uh, you'd be surprised at the things that, that, that go on in my life that you really don't have any earthly idea what it entails. When you go to the camp meeting, all of those speakers and airline tickets and and uh, schedules and, and and everything all been lined up ahead of time. Now you know where all that initiate is initiated? In that office right back there in that corner. That's where it all comes from. I don't regret a thing that I'm doing, but I am saying this, that I just don't really think that I am able to to do any more than what I'm doing. And I, I just, I'm really praying. You, you may say, are you resigning, Brother Grant? I never said that. But I, 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 I would say this, okay? Of course, if I were to resign, I wouldn't know where to go. You know, a preacher doesn't really have a home. Did you know that most preachers don't even know where they're going to be buried? And their wives don't know where to bury them when they die. Because they belong to so many different causes. It's all one cause, but spread out. I don't have a burden for anything other than what I'm doing. But I will say this, that at this point in time, I feel non-productive. It's just that simple. You want to stand? Let's lift our hands, would you? Right now, let's just praise the Lord. Praise God. Jesus, God, we love you. We worship you, God. We praise you. God, we love you so, so much, God. Worship you, Lord. I need you, God. Now, you're not praising the Lord. Praise God. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we love you so much, and we worship you, God. We appreciate you. 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus, Lord God. I love you, God, with my whole heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, before we leave tonight, we have a good number of prayer requests. I'd like to call your attention to these. Lenny and Anna Sandon need a healing, so let's pray for them. Tom Ferens for healing and salvation. Let's pray that he would be delivered from alcohol and...